everybody, Todd Mitchell here. We are recording on a bit of an odd schedule this week. This time we're going to talk about game jams, both why they're great and why you may not want to make them too big a part of your game development career or hobby. I've been through a ton of them and I'll tell you all about it on this episode of the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast. Alright, welcome back to the show everybody. We just passed 50 episodes on SoundCloud and that's after we cut some here and there for audio issues. So that's pretty huge. Did you know that the average podcast doesn't make it past its seventh episode? And that's according to um, the folks at the Blueberry hosting platform, which I've never used for actual hosting, but I've used their data tracking. And they do know what they're talking about because they pay a lot of attention to such things. So the fact that we can be here more than a year after starting creating cool content about games and passing the time with you guys, we count ourselves extremely lucky and we never have anything but fun with this. So tonight we're talking about the trouble with game jams, and this is a topic that came up several times on Twitter among uh, the game development community folks before I decided that it was time to talk about it. I'll uh, tell you what those discussions were like, but first I'm going to kind of set this up for anyone who's not familiar with this kind of event. A game jam, if you do not know, is an event that most of the time you build a small game in one weekend. That's really the gist of it. Everybody comes together. This may be over the internet or in person on like a Friday night, Friday evening, a theme is announced. Like, the theme might be something like holidays, or construction, or fear of dying alone. It, it, could be, it could be almost anything. And after the theme's announced, everyone has four, usually 48 hours to go create a small video game or prototype along that theme. And then they come back together at the end of that time, and they celebrate, they party, they play each other's games. Uh, in some events, they rate the different entries and give awards for, like, outstanding creations at a category... And for the most part, it's just intended to be a fun learning experience for sort of its own sake. It's sort of a teaching and learn by doing, that kind of thing. For a great many years, the premier place to do this was at the Ludum Dare site, which is ldjam.com. Ludum Dare loosely translates in Latin as to give a game. And it's fun to say Ludum Dare. But since that time, Itch and a couple of other sites have made it really easy to put together your own game jam so like anybody can host one now and it's great but it's also contributed to a lot of the burnout and issues that we're going to talk about. I have participated in a lot of these events. My first one was probably around 10 years ago, maybe more. Some of these are some of the entries that I created are still online and some are vanished and long gone. I've done these events with friends, I've done them by myself, and I can tell you I've done a couple of the same jams that Notch participated in before Minecraft blew up, so that's just to give you a sense of sort of how far back this goes and what sort of a tight-knit community uh, this is. So if you're not familiar with this, and even if you are, it does help to start by looking at why you would do a game jam, because there are many good reasons to do so. Uh, I am far from anti-game jam. I'm just hoping to get people to re-examine the right place for it in their lives and in their careers. First of all, game jams are a huge confidence builder. So if you've never built a game at all, or if you're just getting into it, 
or you're just getting to know a new tool set, or maybe you don't have any experience working with teams on a project, you don't know a lot of other people who share this hobby and this way of life with you, game jams are good for all these things. So you'll complete exercises in brainstorming, design, testing, rapid iterations. It will expose you to new problems and help you find new solutions. In addition to leaving you with this shiny new game that you just created, though be it a small and simple one, it, uh, it usually also leaves you a bunch of other projects in the form of other people's entries to look at up close and you can download them and you can play them and you can probably get access to the source code for a lot of them, which is interesting if, if you learn by looking at other people's code, which you, it's a nice skill to have. And uh, there's a great chance you will have direct access to the development team. So they will probably be happy to talk to you about what they did. They will probably be flattered if you single out a developer or a team and go, I would love to know more about what you did with this. They would probably, that would maybe be the highlight of the event for them. You rarely get this kind of knowledgeable, constructive criticism on your own work in such a low stakes situation. So, I mean, you might get valuable feedback at work, but it also kind of impacts your career. This is a nice chance for you to do something and get valuable feedback and then just everyone forgets about it Monday morning. This is sort of an experience designed to teach you how to execute, how to talk about it, how to be gracious. Those are all a big deal. So why would you not participate in game jams? For that, let's go back to the community discussions that I was talking about earlier. The most recent discussion I had about this was with Mr. Christer Katila. Sorry if I butchered that name. I listened to a podcast with him as a guest a long time ago. And I do not remember how his name is uh, rightly pronounced. I am sorry. But to many people, he is known as McFunkyPants on Twitter, which is an awesome, awesome screen name. He's not only a fellow game developer, but he's also a well-respected writer on the topic of game development and game jams specifically. He's also the creator of the now defunct One Game a Month project. That's just what it sounds like. Developers commit to participating in this and they complete one game a month each month and they just on and on. So it's like an ongoing jam, but it lasts a whole month. And if you go to the site onegameamonth.com, all spelled out, now it's basically a memorial site that pays tribute to uh, that ongoing challenge. Now that it's ended, it ran from 2012 to 2018 and it's pretty likely that the same sort of reflection that led him to end this project also is what got him thinking about whether or not he wants to participate in game jams. Late in November, I saw him tweet this. McFunky Pants says, Thinking about a New Year's resolution. No game jams. It's a bad habit. I've been addicted for almost a decade. Now, why would one of the community's most prominent jammers and rapid developers, if he's writing books about it, call this a bad habit? Well, I'm pretty sure I know where his head was at. And it requires us to look at game jams from another perspective. What are you really doing during a game jam? You're creating a game, sure, but the time constraint is essentially creating a weekend of unpaid crunch for you. And if you're like most indies or even pros who participate in game jams, you're basically connecting your full-time job on Friday to your full-time job on Monday with a weekend of just solid, mind-numbing work 
and very frustrating tasks, all because you only have 48 hours to do this thing. And if you haven't heard, the industry is very against crunch. This already sets game jams at odds with what we're considering to be pretty conventional wisdom here. But you end up with this shiny new game project you made, and you could expand on it and turn it into something worthy of being shipped. Yay! Well, yes, but probably no. There have definitely been some commercial successes that resulted from Game Jam entries. That is true. Surgeon Simulator, for example, is a very famous game that was created by a team in 48 hours during a Game Jam and then expanded into a commercial launchable product in uh, an, another 48 days. So they set themselves a time to flush it out, sold it, the rest is history. Uh, but for the sake of discussion, you need to accept that this is not going to happen to you. And I know that's mean. But the problem is, if you don't have a couple of full commercial quality games under your belt, there's a pretty good chance your game project is going to leave you with a very faulty foundation. And that's not a bad thing. But several people I've spoken to agree that a game jam leaves you with code and assets and just an overall project that you almost can't continue to work on because it's not, it makes less sense than starting from scratch. To continue expanding on the project would effectively require you to recreate everything you did. It brought you no closer to your goal at all. I can confirm this. I've come up with at least a couple of Game Jam projects that I wouldn't have felt comfortable adding one more line of code to. And I mean that. Not one more line of code could have gone into a couple of these. You're going fast. You're tired. You're not thinking of the future. You're taking shortcuts. You are just, you're not doing your best work. And the last point I'll bring up before moving on is this. A Game Jam teaches you how to prototype. It does not teach you how to develop a full game. In most cases. Like I said, when this came up with McFunky Pants, he called this a bad habit. And that was something I've, I had been thinking about, and I didn't feel like people were listening to me about it, so my reply probably had a little too much mustard on it, and I'm, I'm sometimes guilty of that. But my reply was this. Quite honestly, Game Jam culture has definitely cranked out some devs who can build physics mechanics off the top of their heads, but they don't know how to have multiple scenes in a game or put a pause menu together... And maybe we should start hosting some polish jams. And I kind of thought to myself, see, that is an example of the very attitude that keeps people from going anywhere near your tweets. And it's why you don't have discussions on Twitter. But uh, you know, I felt that way, so I went ahead and sent that and did not delete it. Because I think it contains some honesty that a lot of people haven't been willing to deal with within themselves because game jams are this sacred thing where we all come together. I get it. I like it too. I really do. I just think maybe we're being somewhat irresponsible about this. Sure enough, this tweet resonated with a lot of people inside the community. One person retweeted it and said that it hit way too close to home. And I got in touch with him and I said, I would not have said it if I have not gone through it. And it is true. It took a major change in my thinking and my development style to go from jammer to a developer of a finished product that I felt comfortable selling to another person for like any price at all. I know developers who will put a game jam game straight up on itch and ask for donations to just download it. Their actual game jam entry with no additional work, they want you to uh, name your price, quote unquote. Now, I respect that person's confidence. I wish I had like an ounce of that. 
but I could never do that in a million years. Uh, even though my prototype for letter taps was done in like a couple of days, I knew I would never even consider uploading it to the app stores, even for free, without expanding the game to have like satisfying levels, a cohesive menu system, an appealing title screen, uh, credits, info pages. It had to have the look of a real product. It needed to be a real product, or I didn't want anyone else to even see it. But guess when my mind started to wander and I started getting distracted by things that I had never done before? It was right after the prototype phase. Right when I had completed the amount of work that I normally finish during a game jam, suddenly I hit a wall. And taking that game from prototype to sellable product felt jarring and super unnatural to me. Because I was relying on muscles I've never trained in my life. I had to really sit down and think about how to change scenes in my game. Uh, I couldn't believe how long it took me to develop a nice title screen with very basic timing and animations. These were all features that no one missed in any of my jam projects, but the part of the project that should have been exciting and relaxing and fun turned out to delay the release of my game by months. By the way, the exercise of fleshing out and completing a game even changed the way I approach jam projects. I get title screens, menus, high scores, every other feature outside the main game loop done before I even start the main game. Because when I see a one-screen game now, I usually assume I'm looking at the work of a developer who has a pretty painful transition coming. And it, it sort of puts a bad taste in my mouth now. I want to put out, if not full products, at least just complete products with all the right ingredients from the recipe. So as people started to join in our discussion of uh, problems in like game jam culture, we started looking for answers with like varying degrees of seriousness. There were a lot of jokes and funny things said. I mean, I, I know no one is going to participate in a polished jam. I, I know that's not useful, but even that is not really for the reason I initially thought. One guy told me a game jam leaves me with a project that I basically have to throw away. Like I was talking about earlier. It isn't good enough to withstand polishing. So we do need to find the right role for game jams in our ongoing careers because these weekends start to add up. I can only present my own take on this. So here's where I've landed, and I think it's a sensible approach. Definitely, if you're new to game development or struggling with concepts, do game jams. It is a solid way to walk yourself through a small project and you'll be so focused on completing tasks, it's pretty likely that you will improve your thinking, you'll eliminate some of the cycles you normally spend on doubt and fear and embarrassment. You, you just don't have time for any of that. So you'll be surprised at the end of the weekend what you've learned, what you accomplished. Along the same lines, definitely do use game jams to introduce your friends and like other new people to game development. Participate in game jams with them. That's an awesome experience, and you'll be glad that you did. Use jams to teach people. Use jams to support people. But when they're ready, let them take the lead. And when they're doing well after they've taken the lead, bow out and tell them, hey, go find more new people. Go bring more friends of your own. And then you go get to work on your projects. When you are in a game jam, you need to keep your projects small. If you get through a basic play loop with some semblance of playability, you need to move to polish... You need to move to menus, high scores, title screens, options, credits. I could go on. Anything you can fit into your time to help you get some reps on those finishing muscles, 
You need to do it. Don't try memorizing physics algorithms and projectile pooling. If you don't know how to make a game that has a level two or a game that can exit the main game and go back to the title screen without crashing. And beyond Game Jam Weekends, we really do need to focus on finishing projects. Polished jams are a silly idea, yes, but the idea of taking a set amount of time to improve on something that you started is definitely not silly. It's really important. Take a cue from the National Novel Writing Month. They call it NaNoWriMo. It's a dumb name. But they don't have a 48-hour book writing jam, because that wouldn't make sense. And if you think about it, it doesn't make sense for a game either. Making the average game is harder than writing the average book. And writers, you can come at me if you need to. I'm ready to argue that. In fact, a month isn't a long enough period of time. That leaves you with the same one game a month format that our buddy McFunky Pants just laid to rest. And he was on to something when he wondered out loud if he should switch to one game a quarter. Makes more sense, right? You could do a lot more polishing in that time. That's almost the amount of time I took to make letter taps. I spent a little bit longer on it, in fact. I had a prototype that met a goal and raised some interest with players, so I set a schedule. I added everything that I thought I needed to add. I polished everything as best I knew how, and then I released a completed product into the wild. Have you done that yet? If you do, you know how good that feels. It feels bad to tell people you're a game developer and you have no finished games that you can point out to them. It's not fun pointing somebody to your half-assed game jam project. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. I'm not shaming anybody. It was me for a really long time. You deserve to feel the way that you'll feel after your game is launched. That is my advice to you. It's not about money. You can charge for your game. Of course. It's a nice reward for a job well done. It's another way of tracking your game's performance on and on. But the idea is you should aim to release something worthy of charging for. And that is for the sake of your players. Like I said, this is my take on the state of the game jam culture. Everybody has a different idea. Our pal McFunky Pants ended up coming down on the side of basically jam till I die, which I I get it. He participated in uh, the latest LD jam. I respect that. But I didn't. I spent that time looking at a couple of old prototypes to see what I wanted to sort of flesh out next. And does that leave one of us in a better position than the other? I'm not sure. I think it depends on what we do next. Thank you so much to everyone who has reached out to talk this last week. We love, love that. It's all been super positive, and while that's not a requirement, we sure do enjoy it. If you have fun listening to the show and you haven't subscribed, you can do that in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Or catch us anywhere you like keeping track of podcasts, because hopefully we're there. Don't do it on Spotify, we're not there, but we're everywhere else. As always, your ratings and reviews help us get the word out. And if you have a friend who's into this kind of stuff, just let them know. That's all we ask. We're on a little break for the weekend, so you will hear from us next week. We just booked a couple of fun mystery guests for the near future, and I've got some more in mind after that. So hit us up with your favorite topics, any questions you have, and we will continue to bring you the goods. I'm Todd Mitchell. I run CodeWriteFlay.com, where all this great content lives. Uh, Keep up the great work, and we will talk to you next time. (laughs) 